Good evening, everybody. We're starting a new work week. I know that's not the fun part. Fun part is you get to spend at least tonight with me, at least right now with me. My name is Charlotte. Let me get my cord going here. I'm going to be your host for about the next hour, maybe more. I have this set for an hour and a half today because um, I did a show midweek and I kept it down to an hour, which means that I um, had to stop. Like, I don't know if I'm in the middle of a chapter or towards the end of the chapter, but I had to, in order, in order to hit that hour mark, I had to stop like somewhere in the chapter. So I don't know how far in the chapter I stopped. So I have a schedule for an hour and a half. It doesn't mean we're going to be on an hour and a half. It just means we could go an hour and a half today. All right. And let me tell you, I love doing yard work. Just like the next guy. I'm good. You know, I'm good for yard work. But man, it wipes me out. It's been wiping me out. I don't know if it's because I'm taking different allergy pills or what's going on because I am on different allergy pills. But the dust from the yard and all that just knocks me out. I mean, I'm coughing. I'm gagging. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, it's really it's kind of scary for me, too. Anyway, I've had my little afternoon snack here. Let me get the crumbs off. But I'm glad to be here. I'm real excited. And I'm also, my name, again, my name is Charlotte. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team. Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state. Hello, Marisa. Uh, which means we can get to you because we're all over. In fact, we go into Oregon, Washington, Nevada, and Hawaii. So we, you know, we're, we're all over the place. We've got people all over. The thing is, California is such a big state that it might take us a while to get to you. So we also have four or five psychics on staff who can call you ahead of time and talk with you. And maybe sometimes they can settle stuff down before we get out there, you know, to help you out. So that's, that's part of the service we we do also. We've been around for more than 25 years as a team. So we're really experienced in what we do. Anyway, this is Sunday reading day. We don't do a normal show today. We read from a paranormal theme book. Right now we're reading from Rain No Evil by Michelle Zirkel. I see she's added a couple other of those ends on her name. So I'm just going to say Michelle Zirkel because when she was on the show, she was Mich Michelle Zirkel. She had been a guest here. Interesting story. Stuff happened in her house that I've never even heard of before. You know, it is, it's, it's a completely different type of case that, that 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 I've encountered even reading books. So it's interesting. I think we're in chapter 10 right now. Like I said, some, somewhere in chapter 10 right now. But uh, like I said earlier, I, I okay, I want to, I want to stipify this too, because we got shut off last Saturday on TikTok. They, they shut us down 10 minutes before the show ended. So I had to go on, go into TikTok jail. And I suspect I know why. There's a couple spot, spots of, of what I read last week that might have gotten us into trouble. And the fact that they probably, you know, whoever was listening in probably figured it was a copyright thing. And uh, I do have permission from Michelle. She is self-published. So I do have permission to read the book. But sometimes the book has some areas that reads like a, like a Jackie Collins novel. And if you guys know who Jackie Collins is, <laughs> you know, I never read her stuff. I, I know what they are. You know, it's, 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 it's those, those uh, saucy novels that ladies like to read. We'll just put it that way. All right. So, uh, yeah. So sometimes it reads like a Jackie Collins novel. So you're going to hear me. I'm just going to warn you ahead of time. You're going to hear me slow down sometimes because I'm trying to figure out a way to verbally word stuff in there. Okay. Because I want to make sure we don't offend anybody on Facebook or YouTube. I don't want to end up in, in, in those jails. Um, and also uh, the woman's husband is a police officer in the book and we were talking about uh, she was the day that she and her husband were, were discussing some sensitive stuff last week 
And I think that might've got us into trouble, you know, because TikTok's all of, well, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube are all about safety for adults and children and stuff. And there was stuff in there, you know, police officer stuff. Okay. So if we get to that, I'm, I'm going to skip around. All right. So you're going to hear me pause as I skip around that as well, because I don't want to have any problems with anybody. It's a great book, well-written, but like I said, there's, there's adult content in this and kids listen to this show on all three of my networks that, that I'm on. And I just want to make sure we, we, we stay clean with it. Right. Okay. Okay. Anyway, got announcements to make. Um, the YouTube is almost done. Um, we have over 590 videos over at YouTube. And uh, they've, they've kind of been in a hodgepodge because when they go in after we do a show, they just go up for that particular month. That particular month. But if you go back and roll down the page, you can see we, we go back for two or three, maybe four years over there. Like I said, over 580. And so what I've been doing is I've been taking those videos and I've been doing, um, I've, I've been categorizing them in um, folders. And you'll see that when you go to the front page of our YouTube page at youtube.com uh, forward slash at California Hunts Radio, you'll see that there's a bunch of videos, but they're all under like ghosts and hauntings and different topics like that. So it's easier to find the topics that you like and that you want to hear instead of having to go down the whole list and see what they are, right? Because sometimes headlines don't do it. Sometimes headlines can be misleading, right? So yeah, that's an easier way for you guys to do it. The other thing I would like you to do for the regulars that come on here and go and, and use YouTube is I want you to go through those folders. I want you to look at the folders and, and, and see what's in the folders because I may have cat, you know, I, I may have categorized them under a topic, but maybe they should be somewhere else, right? You know, under another topic, or maybe the topic's not there and you want me to add a topic for certain videos. I'm fine with that. Just let me know, you know, uh, which ones need to be switched and I will do that. I'm asking for your help because, you know, there's a lot of videos. For the people that are members of the Patreon, I'm having issues with Patreon. I'm waiting for information back from them. I finally got an email from them Friday telling me that they're working on it and they would get back to me. And I understand there's a backlog at Patreon. Um, I go to upload the private videos for you guys over there. And it'll say it's uploaded, but it'll stay processing for two days and nothing happens. So I've got a note in the Patreon about that. But what I'm going to do is I can upload those to a private folder on YouTube for you guys. And then I can get you a link that goes directly in there, even though it's a private folder. Okay. So then you can still watch them. So I'll, I'll be uploading one this evening for you guys. And then tomorrow night, I'm going to be pre-recording another uh, show and I'll have that ready for you in midweek. And we also have the Tinkerbell show out there, which is almost completely edited. So that's going to be going up over there. So yeah. And what I'm talking about when I say Patreon for the members of my Patreon is $15 a month. And is it, no, it's $5 a month. I'm sorry. <laughs> five fifty a month. Too many places. And uh, what, what you get from that is you will get in any pre-recorded video that, I, that we do, that I do, you will get to see it one to two weeks in advance of everybody over on this network. Okay. So it's, it's kind of like a big plus. So you get to see it hot off the griddle. Um, that's one of the benefits. The other benefits are, and we're starting this this, this coming week, is any guest that's been on this that's really popular that you guys want to hear more of, let me know because I'm going to get them on and do after hours talks. We're going to call it, we're going to call it, we're going to call it California Haunts After Hours and go in there for an hour or so with those guests and you can ask them any question you want. Because there might be something you heard during the interview and you just didn't quite uh, put your hands up, you know. 
to ask a question or maybe you don't maybe you're like me maybe maybe you listen to the interview and then after it's off you think oh my gosh i should have asked this i do that all the time i should have had a v8 right i, I should have asked them this so this is going to be your chance to be able to do that so that's one of the other benefits of being over at the patreon plus once we get enough people over there because i would like to shoot for the next two months i would like to get at least 20 patreon followers over there that would be terrific and if we hit that 20 mark I've got some really cool items that I'm going to do giveaways on. Coffee cups, t-shirts, all kinds of stuff. Customized sunglasses, right? California hot. So there's all kinds of stuff. I even have face masks. I mean, we're still, even though COVID's kind of like in the background, it's still kind of cool to have a face mask every once in a while to put on. I have California Haunts investigation face masks for you guys. Okay? So there's all kinds of gifts that I, that I can give out over there. I might even have some Star Wars stuff. Who knows, you know? But, I mean, I'm going to add to that as well. So we'll have a drawing every month for gifts for the subscribers over the Patreon. All right? All right. So we're not broadcasting, obviously, tonight to you to uh, TikTok because we got booted last week. <laughs> Ten minutes. It took them Ten minutes before the show. Before they I even um, appealed the the uh, boot, and they, they said that I went against, my you know, guidelines so i'm like i said earlier in the show i think i kind of know where it went off the rails so we're gonna i'm gonna be really careful about that because i don't want to be put in facebook or youtube jail all right another class coming up i don't have a date for it yet uh we had our psychic we, we had our class on protection last night went really well and there was a lot of a lot of good information came out of that class i have a second part to that class coming out and uh this it really really delves into the different stones you can use and things like that so i'll be setting up a date for that also we're going to be doing two residential investigations and i'm going to be looking for team members uh, and so what i'll do is we do these things called ghost tours where we'll go to a haunted location uh, people pay like 50 dollars to go you know and um we, we teach them how to use our equipment you know we, we take them out in the field and stuff well i'm going to do this with these two investigations i'm going to allow three you know three extra people on each investigation is to help me find new investigators plus is to see if you like ghost hunting if ghost hunting is your thing and you'll get to, you'll get to handle all our really cool equipment we have some really cool stuff now and i will teach you how to do it i'll do it myself i'll teach you guys how to do it so i'll uh, be, be looking for that i don't have any dates for that yet but be looking for that but it's really cool uh we'll, you know, we'll we all might meet for dinner and then go up the hill and you know i'll, I'll, I'll see if i can come up with some cool t-shirts for you guys in fact i do have a California Haunts Ghost Hunting Academy t-shirt that I haven't used in a while. And I think those are great giveaways for that. So I, I might throw that in as well for you guys who sign up for that. And that's going to be two different investigations. So that means six people would have the opportunity to go out with the California Haunts team. Okay. Now that I've said all that, again, I'm going to be reading Rain No Evil by Michelle Zirkel. She's high, she's also hyphenated. I can't remember the rest. But really, I, want to, I, want this, I, I just want to make sure everybody understands that this book is being read with permission from the author and publisher, and that would be her because she's self-published. All right. Also, you see the ticker down at the bottom. I want to hit that up real quick. Uh, the reason why I have that is because uh, we are non-profit. You know, we don't make any money from the paranormal team. We don't make any money from uh, the radio show. Uh, we do take donations. We we do make donations, and I have to have donations to keep everything going here. And uh, my hard drive on this computer, I was going to buy a new computer, and then to get what I really want in a computer, it's just cost prohibitive. So the only thing I can think of is replacing the hard drive in here and getting a backup. So I, I priced out hard drives for what I need because I need massive terabytes. When you're a ghost hunter, you go through computers like 
like like once every two three years because there's so much stuff that you're handling because you're handling audio and video and all that so this computer is um is, is at its end as far as that goes so um if you could find it in your heart to help me out a little bit because I, I have 120 dollars goal down there so that i can uh buy what i need for as far as a hard drive goes for this thing that would be terrific i'd really appreciate it and let me make sure i'm on the right mic because i have so many buttons to push i get confused let's see oh thank you let me go in here yes okay the other thing is um, like I said, I've been working in the yard and my eyes are dry. Everything's dry. Everything's dry but my nose. So you'll see me do this. So I may have to re-wet during the show. So if I re-wet, please, I'll, I'll try and turn away, but please don't get grossed out because I'll have to put a drop of the stuff in the corner of each eye, in the corner of each eye to um, re-wet re my contacts. Anyway, welcome everybody. And this is the start of the week. Tomorrow, I'm going to announce this too. We have, I hope I say her name right, Maria Kuchia on. And she has an alien abduction story to tell, and it's a really, really incredible story. So she'll be on at 6.30 p.m. tomorrow Pacific with us, okay? So without further ado, and like I said, we're starting in the middle of the chapter, or I don't know, it's the middle or the end of the chapter, how close we were to the end of that chapter 10 or 11. But that's where we're starting, which is why if you look at the runtime for this show today, it's going to be, you know, I'm thinking it might be an hour and a half because of where we ended up with the chapter. So, um... That's where it's at, okay? So again, if, I, if you hear me slow down and you hear me try to figure out what I'm seeing on screen, it's because there's something explicit on there or something that, you know, like like the police officer husband's talking about cases. Oh, there we go. Weird up. Sorry to, sorry to do that. See what I mean? It's my allergies. Or the police officer husband and she are having a conversation about uh, certain types of cases that I think uh, we got tagged for over on TikTok. And I don't want to get, again, I don't want to get in trouble with anybody. I want to keep the peace. So while I'm doing this, you don't have to stare at me because I'm just going to be reading. I've got an ebook that I'm going to be reading off of on screen here. So, I mean, there's uh, if, you, if you want to sit and look at me, that's all wonderful. But, I mean, you can uh, sit down on your couch, put put your jammies on, light a fire, depending where you're living, you know, depending what your weather is. Light a fire, eat your dinner, do whatever. You don't have to look at me. Um, I have one, <laughs> one fan that carries me around with her when she cleans house. I always end up in her basement. Kind of kind of frightening. No, I always end up in her basement. So you can carry me around if you're out walking your dog, whatever, you know, just to listen to the show. Okay, so here we go. This is this is this is uh, Rain No Evil by Michelle Zirkel. And we do have permission to use this. Uh, here we go. Okay, so I know we're in chapter 10. Like I said, I don't know where we're at. So here we go. Quote. We're gonna start with a quote. Let me find my spot so I can like change pages here. There's a certain sweet spot. Boy, you'd fall for anything, wouldn't you? He's just messing with you. Dealing with kids at school? I think you, would, you wouldn't be so gullible. Alex descends into the basement. Hangs his overworked uniform on the hall tree. Yells for Ben and stomps into the half bath. The commode flushes just fine, Alex announces, as Ben saunters in and leans against the door frame. Now last week, uh, just before we closed everything down, um, they've been having water problems where water sprays out of nowhere. And they can't find where the leak is. And then one of the kids happened to go use the uh, toilet. And when they, when when they were sitting on there, I don't know if I don't know if they had flushed it or as they were going to go sit on there, water shot straight up on out of the toilet. This is what Alex, the father, is talking about. Alex is the is the policeman. A bunch of nonsense, Ben. Alex says, "You flush." We watch the water spiral down the drain like it's supposed to. Ben looking at me for help. 
I shrug, fishing to pull Alex's eyes to mine. It did hit the ceiling before I saw it. Heck, Savvy, you'd see pigs fly if someone else did. Alex jabs his finger toward the window. Okay, let's switch pages. You've got to stop talking about stupid, crazy stuff. You're going to have the boys as loony as you are. I'm shaking my head. There's no way you can blame me for seeing what I see just because you don't. I fold my arms and bow my head like a genie, wishing I had the power to make Alex disappear. My so it's my luck I'd vanish too and still be stuck with him. Okay, and if you like what you hear today, I forgot to remind everybody, if you like what you hear today, send me some love, send me some hearts, send me, you know, send me thumbs up and all that good stuff, and that goes for both Facebook and YouTube. If anyone, I say, slowly and deliberately, the words climbing from my gut, is making me crazy, it's you. Alex then orders Ben to bed, and I collapse into mine. All right, that was the end of Chapter 10. That's like I said, I didn't know how far we had to go. So Chapter 11. And it's called Bleeding Green. Let's see what we got. I, I awake to the phone ringing and Alex saying, what? I'm on my way. He's out of bed and down the stairs before I even sit up. This is bad. Jerking back the covers, I fly down the stairs, my hand gliding down the wooden rail. Alex is in uniform when I reach the kitchen squinty-eyed. Pete's shot. Grab my gun. Alex snaps. Okay, Alex snaps the keeper's shut on his gun belt. Reaching on top of the fridge, I grab the handle of the Smith & Wesson 45. Alex's lips land on my forehead. Okay, Alex's lips land on my forehead as he, as he takes the gun out of my hand, sucks it into his holster, and bolts out the door. Pete. Some butthead shot Pete. Dang it. I hope Alex peels his fingernails off. Not No decapitate this time. An officer down call is rare here in Wooten County, and even though the agency's bicker amongst themselves. When a uniform is down, it doesn't matter what color it is. The bond between cops is a woven tapestry of practical jokes played on each other, wacky criminal behavior, calls and clusters of mess-ups, and beatdowns that aren't reported. Their backs are against the wall, aren't against the wall. They're against each other's. I stand in the kitchen door, watching him peel out of the driveway, spraying gravel into the yard. The sirens blare, polluting the somber darkness. Red and blue flashes illuminate the bedrooms of our slumbering neighbors as Alex's cruiser hums along the road, the route that may, that may carry him to his death. A stranger has penetrated our lives once again. For a moment, a fear of losing him grips me, and I'm grateful for the stranger who has unknowingly reminded me how much I love my man in green. A knot in my throat hardens. I want to pull Alex close, not push him away. I make an intention to siphon this sentiment tomorrow, when he's angry and unreasonable, and when I'm wishing he'd disappear. I'm not usually scared for Alex's safety. Growing up with a dad for a cop prepared me for this lifestyle long before I knew I'd be living it as an adult. Dad's stories were dinner entertainment for Luce and me. Like how he piles seven men into the back of his cruiser after a cue stick was jabbed into his lip after breaking up a bar fight, and how he lobbed tear gas into a bar, then rolled across a a bar then rolled across the floor in complete darkness to get a guy who was holding a gun to his wife, only to find the man had shot himself and killed the wife who was still holding their crying baby. Yikes. We knew Dad's job was dangerous, but he always said he was happiest when he was whizzing across the county to assist a victim. And tonight, as Alex whizzes off to find the thug who shot Pete, I have no doubt he feels the same way. I trundled to bed. 
remembering I was supposed to meet Ted in the morning and wishing I hadn't set up the morning rendezvous. I hugged Alex's pillow close, like it's, like it's actually Alice I'm, Alex I'm embracing, and fall asleep on my pillow, soggy with tears. Convenient that Alex is still out on peace shooting when I pass the kids' rooms at 6.30 a.m. With such an unaccustomary early departure, if Alex had been home, I'd have had to lie about needing to get chips from the store for a potluck at school or something. Getting up an hour early to have to meet with a married man, or any man for that matter, feels so raw in the wee hours, especially after seeing Alex heading towards such danger on last night's call. But I can't just call it off. We can't. I'm the one who arranged this get-together, and the least I can do is follow through. Being a tease is worse than being anything else. The stairs creak as I amble down, hesitating for a moment, reconsidering my decision to beat Kent. I squeeze the handrail and hang my head, wishing someone would tell me I don't have to do this. Don't have to, don't have to prostitute myself to be loved. But the someone I need to listen to is me, and I'm not strong enough to stop myself. The open sign is on as I pass the bakery on, on otherwise vacant Main Street in Mudstock Heights. I park in the library lot next to the post office. If anyone recognizes my card and word gets back to Alex, I was over here early this morning. I'll tell him I was returning a book in the Dropbox. Poor excuse, but better than none. I scan the street to make sure no one, no cars are coming before scurrying to the front door. In an hour, many of my acquaintances will be humming around, none the wiser to my special appointment. I twist the doorknob, hoping it's locked, but it's not. I slither up the stairs and peer into Kent's office, where he's sitting behind his desk. He comes towards me, arms outstretched, and offers a coffee-breath kiss with his embrace. Kent's not only a friend of Dad's, but he's old enough to be my dad. I tell him that he's as handsome as ever, and he is. His wavy gray hair and glasses add refinement to his, to his eyes. He takes my hair in his left hand and smells it and slides it away as he nibbles my neck. He doesn't know the neck is my favorite foreplay spot. He's never even asked me what turns me on. Yes, he figures he already knows, but he'd be wrong. Not once. Okay, so, all right, we're going to skip that out. Ken unbuttons his shirt, leaves it hanging off his narrow shoulders, brushes my cheek with his thumb, and gazes into my eyes. There it is, that look I crave. He may not love me, but he certainly is looking at me like he does. I'm just trying to read ahead of time. Okay. Okay, so they're doing foreplay. We're going to leave it at that. Pushing me backwards into the narrow hall between his office and the restroom. Okay. Okay, I feel like a dashboard, all lit up and ready to take off. But the pilot is struggling to navigate, still gathering coordinates. Sorry about that. I'm not going to do that. All right, uh, let's see. She hangs on his belt. Okay. Okay. All right, it feels like someone's watching, encouraging me to perform. Okay, let's see. No one is there, but I'm not surprised since my imagination seems to be on overdrive. Okay, let's see. Okay. Kneeling when praying demonstrates a, a humbleness, a subservience that is disciplined and confident. Okay. I'm in a more powerful position than he is, even though he, even though he probably doesn't perceive it that way. A few moments later, he's saying his version of a prayer, crying out and rubbing my head, Oh, Save, Oh, Savvy, Oh, God. Okay. 
yes, I think I'm, I think even though I'm the one kneeling, I'm the one with the power here. All right. I wish, okay. I wouldn't mind that can't, okay, he, all right, but he's already landed and I'm stranded on the ground. I feel like the office cleaning lady just performing a service, except she gets paid and I can't, and I can't from this deal. Okay. All right, sissy. Kent gushes as he brushes past me. Wow, been too long, babe. You know you're the best at that. Thanks, I say, knowing I have to be good at something that matters. Kent buttons his shirt. I get Luce's wedding invitation. I got Luce's wedding invitation. Guess I'll see you there, he says, brushing my bare shoulder. I don't even want to think about facing him and his wife at my sister's wedding. I want to shower away this grimy feeling from my skin. I glance at the clock behind his desk and announce that I have to get the boys to school. Back home, I suds up with lavender, diffusing the scent of Ken's musky cologne, and wake the boys who are still snoozing. I left the note on my bed saying, "Ran to the store in case they woke up before I got back or Alex made it home before I did. While the boys dress, I microwave sausage biscuits. Excuse me. My domestic duties, like breakfast, are my lifeboat, keeping me afloat in this, do in this bog of deceit. After I return a text from Dad, <clears throat> who wants to know who got shot because the news just said an officer in Wooten County, the boys join me at the counter where their breakfast sits. I tell them, between six and coffee, that Pete was shot last night and their dad's still out. Is Pete dead, Ben says? I don't know, bud. All I know is he was shot. Will Daddy be home to take me four-wheeling? He said he would after school, Isaac says, chomping on his biscuit. I haven't heard from Alex since he sped into the night to apprehend the villain. God help him, who was responsible for injuring Pete. But I don't want the boys to worry about their dad's safety. I imagine he'll be very tired, but he might, I say, praying Alex is safe, and comes home to me, to us. Suddenly, a stream of water shatters across the kitchen ceiling from the direction of the living room. Ben doesn't miss a chew, but Isaac's mouth is open so wide that you think he's just seen a witch fly through the room again. I dry the countertop and floor with the dish towel, and a few minutes later, Isaac's climbing up onto the school bus, and Ben and I are racing to the car. At school, Mr. Feldman knocks on my door and calls me out for powwow in the hall with Mrs. Avitz before I can even get the bell ringer on the board. Feldman wants to know how Pete is doing, but I have no inside scoop. Feldman knows more from the news report than I do. I <clears throat> haven't even seen the news. I was too busy. I was too busy with Kent and sopping up water. Word through the school hotline of when Mrs. E is president is that Pete was shot by a sniper, but I don't know why a sniper would want, would want to shoot him. <clears throat> after first period, I return a missed call from Alex, who tells me the man who shot Pete had called 911 after beating his wife, then, then, then planked with his rifle, trudged in the woods behind his house, and waited for an officer to arrive to begin his sordid target practice. Pete was the first officer on the scene. Fortunately, the shooter was drunk, and the bullet hit Pete's leg rather than his heart. He's stable at the hospital, but his right leg is shattered, and he may never walk again. The fugitive is still out in the woods. K-9 team is tracking him. By the time school is out, Alex hopes to be home and in bed. Wants to keep me wants me to keep the boys quiet so he can sleep. During the next class change, I step across the hall to Mrs. Z, who is chewing out two boys for having their cell phones out and motion to Mr. Feldman to join us. As I dish out the latest developments on peace shooting, the tardy bell rings. This bell is as sacred to Mrs. Z 
as a church bell announcing that service is to begin. But she doesn't budge, neither does Mr. Feldman, who never gives, who never cares about anything but tardies. Oh, never cares about tardies anyway. Last period during planning, I'm passing through the cafeteria when Mr. Meyer steps from the kitchen with his coffee mug. I remember that I still need to ask Alice about the pending drug sting on Diane's mom. But in the meantime, I can at least check in with Diane, see how things are at home. I swing by the office for Diane's schedule and her transcript, find her class, and summon her to the door. As she steps into the hall, Diane pulls her phone from her hoodie pocket and clicks it, claiming she's checking the time. I ignore the texting. I have more important things to discuss with her than her disregard for the school's cell phone policy. I dip my chin and try to make eye contact with her through the bangs draped across my forehead. Just checking on you. Haven't seen you for weeks. You been absent? Diane flings the hair away from her face a couple times. I miss having you in class, but I know Mrs. Z enjoys having you in hers. I say lying. Mrs. Z hasn't even mentioned Diane to me once, and I haven't mentioned Diane to her either. I don't want the scuttlebutt quizzing around me about Diane's activities and Alex's involvement with the situation. You don't come see me at lunch anymore. Everything all right at home, I say, leaning against the wall. Well, mom's still mom. Got men there every night. Diane digs her palms into her hoodie sleeves, stretching them enough as she fits both arms inside. Allergies suck. I put my arm on her shoulder. I'm sorry. I know it's been rough on you living there. I remove my hand, wishing I could tell Alex tell her Alex is supposed to be working on a sting that could land her mom in jail, but I can't because that could put her in danger and create additional problem for her to worry about. Who would she live with if her mother was locked up? Diane, you need to come to school. I say handing her a transcript. If you pass science, you'll have enough credits to graduate next year. Diane unwinds her tangled arms from the hoodie. You know, I'm supposed to be graduating this year, but I got behind when I got sent to alternative school. I know, hun, I say. Your mom called the other day to check your science grade. Said she wants you to pass and to be happy. I look into her eyes. We both know what her mom really wants. For Diane to stay in school, so the checks keep coming from the feds. I wonder if Diane will ever be happy, or if she will still be searching for happiness well into her 30s like I am. Diane bites, the bo- bites her bottom lip, that's red with gloss, and says, Sometimes I stay with Matt. Matt, your boyfriend? She smiles. Yeah. He already has a job. Promise. Going to drive a truck. Truck drivers make lots of money. What's his last name? Boggs. Matt Boggs, I say, forming the image of the tattooed thug and newest addition to my class. My heart aching for Diane, who is so desperate for love that, that she would date the likes of him. I married and had kids with my high school sweetheart, too. But even with Alex on the correct side of the law, it feels like our marriage is being held together with Elmer's glue. Hey, Mrs. Templeton, echoes down the hall. I turn to see Terry piggybacking Brandon, who's collecting a monster drink from the top of the lockers. I salute from afar. What the heck does it matter? The energy drink is contraband. I wouldn't mind the taboo drink right now either. Yep, Diane pulls the cuffs of her sleeves until they are partially over cover her palm that's been scribbled on so much it could be a notepad. He'll make a good daddy, she says. What? Are you? No, I'm not pregnant. I mean, someday, she giggles. I told Matt you're the coolest teacher here. Sure am, I say, knowing Matt wouldn't agree with her opinion of me. I usher her into class, knowing her most important lessons are presenting themselves in the real world. A world of drugs, neglect, 
and dirty old men. Diane will have to carve out her own path over the terrain of her life. I can't make her decisions for her. I'm having a hard enough life making my own. School dismisses and Isaac bursts through my classroom. The kids ask me if Dad was the one who got shot. I turn from the board where I'm list- listing character traits for the Fairy Queen, Titania, from A Midsummer Night's Dream. That's what Daryl's dad told him, and Daryl told Mrs. Murphy. Mom, Mrs. Murphy ran up and hugged me. She was like, Isaac, what on earth are you doing here? I told her I liked school, and then she asked me why wasn't my dad shot. Isaac's thick brown eyes glaze over. Oh, honey, I say, flipping the marker into the dry eraser tray. Damn, my allergies are really bad. And rounding my desk, my baby, I'm sorry that scares you. Isaac nods. I thought maybe he got shot after Pete did. Can mom have a hug? I say, opening my arms. I think I need one more. I, I think I need one more than you do. When something tragic happens, people often get the facts messed up. I squiggles loose. Timmy said, I squiggles loose. That's what it says. Timmy said he bets Dad beats the crap out of, out of the guy who shot Pete. What'd you say? Just that he probably wants to, but he's not allowed to do that, Isaac says, tearing open a pudding pack. Good answer, bud. The public needs to trust the police. I say, wondering if I'll, if, if I'll ever be able to trust my officer husband again. I write on the board, theme, be careful who you trust. Tatiana trusted her fairy king, Oberon, and he made her fall in love with the donkey. I trusted Alex and then married a fool. Alex's cruiser is parked around the back of the garage when, dang, allergies, back of the garage when the kids and I pull in, pull in. Inside, I remind the boys their daddy is asleep, and they sling bags and books onto the counter. Isaac doesn't mention the four-wheeler ride his dad had promised him and heads to the basement with Ben. I turn smooth jazz on and I'm sprinkling thyme on tilapia when Ben flushes the commode and lets out a war whoop that cuts through Bony James, James Serenade. I totally forgot we have a con, we have a combo gusher. I step toward the bathroom door, dang, with my finger over my lips as Ben steps out of the half bath. Shh, your dad's asleep, I say. As I lay towels around the combo to absorb the water dripping from above, I listen to the creaky steps, hoping Ben's scream didn't wake Alex, even though I wish he could see what this combo is doing. I locate the video camera that's tucked in the closet and summoned Ben from the basement. I'm going to video this so your dad can see it, I say, clicking the record button. Flush it. He flushes, and water shoots up like a fountain hitting the ceiling. Whoa, I say in my deepest whisper. Ben, that was crazy. You're telling me, Ben says, stepping back from the dripping ceiling. I push the replay, the replay button on the camcorder, Ben huddling it beside me to watch. The image is clear for the first few seconds, but as soon as Ben flushes, it goes black. I video the geyser again, but this time, while we are viewing the recording, a bright light shines through the window, obscuring the combo completely. What the heck, I say? Just perfect. Something's wrong with the dang camera now. Ben, you dry it up this time. I walk back into the kitchen and zap lasagna into the oven. The only thing keeping me from losing my mind is the littlest bit of normalcy that I find preparing food. Bedtime creeps in without a peep from Alex. I'm brushing my teeth when Isaac calls me into his room. Mom, there's bright spots all over the room. Isaac, I'm so tired, I'm seeing spots too. I say, flipping on his Power Rangers nightlight. Please just go to sleep. Isaac walks up to me and wraps his arms around my waist, head on my belly. I'm scared. What are they? 
Heck if I know. I'm thinking as I squeeze him, maybe from the cars going by, shining in your window. I look at the curtains and blinds that are pulled tight. There's no way lights coming through there. Describe the lights. They look like one of those tiny, tiny pens. And they're different colors. Blue, red, white. Sounds like an American flag. I look to Isaac's upturned face to see if my smile is being returned. It's not. You mean like the laser pens? I say, remembering the light display I saw in restroom at school. He nods. You can leave your TV on if that, and if that doesn't work, just sneak into Ben's room. I'm worn out, okay? I tuck the quilt up around his neck, but not before planting a kiss on it and giving and then getting him to giggle. I lay in my bed, and a feeling of deja vu comes over me. I remember looking into the darkness when, when I was a little girl and seeing lights. They were deep in the pockets of air all around me, some sparkly, some dim, but all of them forming a virtual constellation. I wonder if they are still there in the dark, just waiting for me to look for them again, for me to open up the possibility of an active world within my three-dimensional one. I thought the lights I saw the other day at school were just a fluke, but maybe they are pleasant, present all the time. I stare into the dark, looking for lights, looking for confirmation that the dimensions I believe could exist around me are real. Then, just maybe, I can accept that all the weird things going on here are real. Closing my eyes, I breathe in, thinking about how the molecules thinking about how the molecules I'm inhaling, the ones I can't see, are sustaining me. A flash suddenly eliminates the darkness of my eyelids. I pop my eyes open. Speckles of lights flicker to the upper right of where I'm lying. I can hardly believe it. I'm not just imagining them. They are literally here. How had I forgot how had I forgotten to see them? A red pinprick lights up the ceiling oh, I'm sorry, lights up the left of my peripheral vision. The, the entire room of pitch black has become a pattern like a chain link fence made of sparklers, an enchanted world I have totally blocked from my vision for years. I close my eyes and still see the same pattern, the same lights as I do with my eyes open and wonder how this is possible. I somehow know what I'm seeing is a sign that the invisible world hears my thoughts and wants to promote my faith in them, whoever they are. I fall asleep viewing the light show. And a few hours later, in the middle of a, of a nightmare, I wake up with a jerk. My head is throbbing. I'm opening my nightstand to get an aspirin when I notice my journal seems to be sprinkled with lights, like I saw before I fell asleep. Maybe whoever they are in the other world want me, want me to write in it, but I'm too exhausted right now. I love babies, but dreams of dropping them, ready to feed them, or worse, losing them and leaving them alone, is interfering with my sleep more and more often. This time, it was a little boy left by the road, just sitting there in a stroller. I unsnapped him, pulled him close to my chest, and flew him through the air to a nursery, leaving him in the protective arms of a nurse. I'm reliving the feeling of him in my arms when a thought occurs to me. Maybe I saved babies because I couldn't save myself. Chapter 12 The Honorable, the Honorable Monster Iskip, the college day assembly, the next one. Oh, sorry, Iskip. I'm sorry, it jammed together. So that's what I mean. It's kind of weird. I skip. <laughs> sorry, guys. The college day assembly the next morning at school and search Alex's cell phone records online. I didn't write down Raven's number that the night I saw it, so I can't can't check his contact with her. But I know textbook Stacy's number. Current usage shows 27 calls and 83 texts 
in the past three weeks between my friend Stacy and my husband. Scrolling back through the previous months, I find they've been in almost daily contact since last summer. Late night calls and 6 a.m. texts constitute a relationship that amounts to more than just a one-night stand. The list of numbers and texts are a blur through my tears, but I'm no better than Alex. I have no right to cry. I blow my nose and print the pages. I may need them for leverage if this comes to divorce. I darn sure don't want a nasty one like mom and dad's was. I'm justified for messing around with Kent, but that doesn't squelch the guilt that's gutting me. I know the affairs are wrong and useless. No, not one of the men I've had an affair with made me feel loved or accepted for who I am. Yet I keep shooting shooting up. Oh, sorry. I keep seeing them, knowing it's just a quick fix. I should just leave Alex for his sake as much as mine. Gosh. We should cut our losses. We're both 34, and that's young enough to begin a new life with someone else. Young enough to fall in love with life again. I imagine my life without Alex. Without him, I wouldn't have someone to argue over dinner with. Wouldn't have someone to sleep beside me and protect me. But the person I most need protected from isn't the criminals he's arresting. It's from the monster that Alex has become from dealing with them. He used to be a teddy bear. I wrapped my arms around to feel safe. Now the ogre. Not, okay, not the ogre that I, I want to run from, screaming with my hands over my ears. But he's my monster. Mine till death do us part. Mine to tame, to feed, to play with. I'm locked in this cage with him, and no matter how much I plead or snap the whip, or taming the scene, and no matter how much I plead or snap the whip is taming the monster that I, that I love. I stay in my room during the entire school assembly, and call our homeowner's insurance company to ask if they can recommend a contractor who can help us fix the leak. The feminine voice on the line says, we have professionals who specialize in water leaks. I file the claim and schedule the team to come to the house. But then she says, the water and electric must be turned off to the structure, excuse me, before the crew can enter. I don't think you understand, I say. We need the utilities on. We're still living in the house. Oh, you are, the lady says. I figured the structure was uh, was uh, uninhabitable from the way you described it. How are you living, dear, with all that water? We just dry it up with towels. It sounds so simple, I laugh. So there's no standing water that they will have to wade through, she says. Oh, no, it's not like that. The sprays are rather sporadic. I say I'm willing to turn off the power and live by candlelight if I have to in order to get the team of experts here, but I'd rather not. Okay, then, the lady says. Our guys will be there tomorrow at 4 o'clock, and the utilities can remain on. I hang up and notice the text from an unknown number that I saw last night, but forgot to read. It says, hi there, it's Joe. How you doing? Who the heck is Joe? Hi, right back, I text. Ref refresh my muddle memory, please. The guy you handed your number to on the back of your grocery list. Remember? Oh, yeah, him, Mr. Adonis. Mr. I'm going to ignore you. I sit back smugly in my leather chair, my thumbs hovering, frozen over my cell. I can still smell Kent's coffee-laden kiss from yesterday morning, and the thought of his breath on my neck turns my stomach. Barely a day's gone by, and I'm already tempted to repeat the same scenario. I practically smell Joe's sweaty sheets that have likely not been laundered since the last time I was there. I have to respond to Joe, but I don't know what I want to do. I dangle my number, wanting to see if he would bite. 
if my bait looked tasty enough to entice him. Now that it has, I'm not sure I want to re reel in my catch. This is too complicated. Maybe tossing the whole darn pole in the river would be easier. I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. But my head is spinning, and I know I have to postpone any decision about Joe. I text. Joe, nice to hear from you. I'd like to talk, but real busy here. Text you later. Joe, sounds good. I'd like that. Just thinking about someone touching me makes me want to hurl. I yank open my desk drawer, fumbling for my Excedrin, when my hand bumps into a tattered burgundy Bible. Figuring it can't hurt to read a few lines, I pull it out and thumb, and, and thumb to the Psalms. They're a quick read, and students could stampede in from the assembly any minute. My finger lands on number 23. I skim to, He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. I want serenity, and the idea of water that's not moving sounds wonderful. Standing, I look out the window across the field of daisies, watching the crowds land, for, watching the crowds land, crows land. Form a V-shape, nibble, lift off, and fly a few feet away. All done in unison while maintaining the V-shape. I watch them repeat the pattern and wonder how they learn to eat in such, in such synchronicity and how they do so elegantly. The verse floats through my head about God watching the sparrows and how they don't worry about what they will eat. I want to fly away and not worry about water or unexplainable flickering lights or illusions of demons and microwaves on fire or about trying to live with Alex or about being alone. I bow my head and sob, just sucking in the air is laborious. Endless water, reams of arguments with Alex, storage bin is full of, full of fun and distortions of truth and visions of unattainable serenity whirl inside my head. As I lean against the bookcase by the window, goosebumps pop, pop out all over my arms and the sides of my face. From the sunshine streaming through the window, I feel warm and safe like I'm being hugged all over, held together by the strands of light surrounding me. God, I say, petitioning the Almighty, who promises to lead me beside still water. This water leak is driving me crazy, and I know I have no right to ask for help, but I've done everything I can to fix it. What else can I do? Immediately, I hear an unmistakable, unmistakable voice. There is nothing you can do. You're not in control. I know that no one is in my room, but I look around anyway, searching for the person who just spoke to me. The pressure on my head feels like a giant iron's pressing on my skull, and I grab the bookshelf, steadying myself. Somehow an imprint of divine knowledge has been, has been stamped in my mind. I have spirit in my house. And if blinded by the light of knowledge, like Saul on the way to Damascus, I grope my way to my chair and sit down. I have a spirit in my house. God actually just spoke to me. I can't believe God just spoke to me. I can't believe I was still long enough, still long enough for him to hear. I can't believe I have a spirit in my house. Everything that's been happening, from the demon to the water to Ben's premonitions and Isaac's laser show, really is more than a battle of the senses more than a battle for my sanity or for my marriage. It's a spiritual war, and I am in no way equipped with the arsenal I need to win that fight. Everything makes a confusing sort of sense now, as snippets of the past week pervade my mind, my demonic face in the mirror, Isaac's spooked out voice calling for me to explain the witch, the hand in his wall, and twinkles in the dark, Ben's visions, and water spraying inside my house. I slap my hands to my head. Now I know my prayers aren't just heard by the empty air. There is a God. I just heard him. 
The water that sprays my walls and trickles down my forehead is being hurled by an evil spirit. Wonder why it's slinging water rather than knives that could actually kill us. Could it be that God chose water because I was in the shower when I dared him to prove that he exists? Or perhaps he's letting the demon try to drown me, or drown all of us because I challenged him. But God is supposed to be loving and merciful, and surely he can't blame me for wanting to know he is real. Wonder if he sent the demon or just removed his protection like he did Job in the Bible. God let the devil destroy Job's health, kill his entire family, and steal his material wealth, like Job refused to cur- but Job refused to curse God. To reward Job's faithfulness, God provided him with a new family and twice as much property as he had before. I wonder what my reward will be if I pass my test. In the Bible, water was good and bad. It was the source of floods and the symbol of salvation as John baptized Jesus. Maybe that's it. God's trying to baptize me and letting me experience evil so he can lead me to goodness. To the still waters where he will restore my soul. The bell rings right after lunch, and Terry rushes in, jabbering about this afternoon's assembly and how he's signing out. No spring concert for him. Seems most of the class must feel the same way about this afternoon's concert. Only three kids report to class for roll. I have an awesome excuse to skip it, too. How many employees can say that they need relief from their duties because they have to figure out how to get spirit out of their house? Not that I would actually go to a doggone concert if I had no excuse. Heck. I'd skip it for no reason. No one ever comes looking for me anyway. Mr. Meyer's voice blares across the intercom, dismissing the 7th graders first, as they are the youngest group. I smile at my 10th graders in order, get out of here, to which they gladly comply. Sitting in my vacant room, I wonder if I can reclaim my house if I, if I plead the blood of Jesus over it when I get home. The preacher and the evangelical church I grew up in was always pleading the blood over some problem or some person, like like the night the possessed woman crashed. Are you in service? I guess pleading the blood at my house is worth a try. Alex is going to really think I've gone bonkers when I tell him of my revelation. But I have to tell him. And I definitely can't explain this to him over the phone. I'd like him to reassure me that everything's going to be okay. Our house, our family, our marriage. But I doubt he'll reassure me of anything. I pick up the phone and call him anyway. I just want to hear his voice. I soak in his strength as I listen to him relate how Stranahan located Pete's shooter in a cave and quickly notified Taze, who gave permission for the VIP treatment. All right. I'm going to skip this part because, yeah. Alex says, he should have got the RIP version, but I was in a good mood. I tell him I agree, even though I really don't. But I don't think Alex would actually kill someone. When I ask him if he will be home for dinner because I need to talk with him, he insists on knowing what I want to talk about. Maybe he thinks I'm going to ask for divorce or corner him about Raven's text. I wish he could be patient, but he keeps saying, Sav, just tell me. He may wield his shield and get all the scumbucket singing, but he's not going to interrogate me like a criminal. I tell him I can't hear him, and then there's a bag and the, that there's a bad connection. And I'll have to talk with him tonight when he uh, talk. Okay, and I'll have to talk with him tonight, then hang up mad at, at him for making me lie. I really need to talk to someone about my revelation, so I text Mandy. God just put 
God just told me that the Spirit is throwing the water in my house. The aroma of rose sifting through the crock pot greets me when I get home. I feel the boys and send them, I feed the boys and send them to the basement so I can promenade through the house, praying aloud without frightening them. Rummaging through the bottom drawer of the nightstand, I feel the soft knobby I feel the soft knobby leather of the worn Bible I was given as a baptismal gift when I was seven years old. Whipping out the King James and shoving it high above my head as if extracting power from the omnipotent, I say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command any evil demon, entity, or spirit in this house to leave. By the blood of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you must leave this house and never return. Hoping I sound more authoritative than I feel, I proceed through the house, repeating the same mantra. When my prayer parade of one enters the kitchen, I hear the telltale buzz of interference on the police scanner, sitting in the windshield, the, the windowsill. Alex is home. Ben has it programmed with the local police and emergency channels, including those across the Ohio River and Mudsock Heights. Alex's voice streams live across the air, announcing off-duty at residence and radio lingo. CR1 to control. 10-7-10-42. I won't have to skip the basement for now. The boys are down there, and I can't chance Alex catching me mid-chant, so I tuck my Bible inside the end table. Alex steps through the door, so what do you want to talk about? Well, first, how, how's Pete doing? I say slicing a tomato. In recovery right now. Had surgery to remove the bullet, Alex says, placing his gun on top of the fridge. Now, will you tell me what's going on? I called our homeowner's insurance, I say, and da Dad was right about them having teams that specialize in what's, what the secretary called hazardous settings. Their team is coming at four tomorrow. Oh, and it's free. Stripping, Alex heads to the basement. That's all you wanted? Why couldn't you tell me that over the phone? I flip on the garbage disposal, pretending I didn't hear his comment. He didn't know that my story has only begun. We have a demon in our house, and that's not typical Templeton dinner conversation. My cell drops, and a text pops on screen from textbook Stacy wanting to see what I've been up to. Wants to go shopping and have a girl's day. I'd rather grow horns on, on my demon than, than shop with her. I don't respond. I ladle the roast and potatoes on the plates. And with the evening news broadcasting on TV, sit at the counter by Alex. The dinner table is covered with a plastic tarp, sheltering the various valuables I've stacked underneath. Dad's coming by tomorrow to insulate the attic, Alex says. He thinks we could have an inadequate insulation and that could be causing the water. He bites into it to hinder beef. You should fix this more often. I observe the juice on his lip, and my pride swells into a grin. Since my enlightenment today, I know the ventilation theory is hogwash, but I just nod. This lightheadedness feels nice, and I hesitate to delve into the supernatural topic, but I have to tell him about my revelation. Even if pleading the blood of Jesus just now made it stop, I want to share the amazing message I got from God today. If my prayers didn't do the trick... I'll have to employ the help of a professional, and it'd be nice to have Alex's support. Alex, I need to tell you. So who are you scroggy now, Alex says, stabbing at his fork? <clears throat> stabbing his fork into another slice of beef? Yeah, right. I say, smacking his arm that's wrapped around his plate like he's eating in prison. He's just fishing to see what kind of response he gets from me, hoping I ask concern. This isn't about sex, Alex. It's about this water. I was praying at school today and how to fix the leak, and you actually pray about that kind of stuff? He shakes his head, like God cares about your house repairs. Sometimes he's, his, 
His pure ignorance amazes me. He goes to church and says he believes in the Bible, yet he doesn't believe God cares about our daily needs. I have my own doubt about what God's plans are for me, but at least now I know he's real. I heard his voice today. Yes, I say, God cares about what the sparrow eats, and I think he enjoys helping us in all aspects of our lives, no matter how mundane they are. Alex swishes a swig of tea in his mouth like it's Listerine. I think he's got more important things to help with people with, like people dying in the hospital. I can understand praying if you have cancer. I believe God doesn't have a limit on how many miracles he dishes out, Alex. I know this is really going to be hard to believe, but God spoke to me today. I hesitate and look at Alex, who has stopped chewing. He told me we have a spirit in the house. Alex's puffy cheeks turn red as he chokes, beef juice oozing from the corners of his mouth. He looks like a slobbering gargoyle. Really, Alex, I say, taking advantage of the extra few moments he can't talk. I know it sounds crazy, but God spoke to people in the Bible. Why do you think it's so funny he spoke to me? A spirit? Good God, woman. Have you lost your mind? He gets up from the table. Do you know how loony you sound? I could have you committed. Just listen for a minute. Listen to what? How a ghost is in our house? Alex pounds off to the kitchen and points toward the corner of the room. Oh, look, it's Casper with a bucket of water. Alex shows two pieces of pie onto his plate that's, that's speckled with leftover carrots. You know, Sav, you were normal when we got married. What happened to you? You talk about weird stuff like spirits talking in, parrot, uh, talking in parrots and God speaking to you. He raised his arms, fingers wiggling and eyes bulging like he's the victim of a holdup. There's no ghost here, and I don't want to hear your wacky ideas anymore. And the boys don't want to either. He's not acknowledged once how weird the, how weird the water coming from nowhere is. It's as if the fact that I got a divine revelation makes less sense to Alex than the water does. I glare at him. I know I knew he wouldn't believe me. But does he have to be so vicious? The boys, I say? I don't tell the boys there's a spirit. I'm sure you will be, Alex says, for a mouthful of blackberry pie. You're going to make them crazy, too. Is that what you want? Their friends making fun of them and calling this a haunted house? I've got to convince him. I've got to convince him. Alex, I haven't told you this, but before all this water started, I saw a demon in my mirror. I hesitate, expecting Alex to interrupt me, but his mouth is motionless and open as wide as his eyes. I continue. Remember that night I woke you and told you evil was in the house? His mouth contorts until the words come out. You actually believe that, don't you? You have lost your mind. You even think your crazy dreams are real. You didn't walk out of your body and see a demon. If you know so much about them, why can't you fix the, fix the leak, I say, getting up? I've had enough of the insults. Alex is saying, I fix everything around here. When water slaps across the ceiling and drizzles onto his crew, onto, onto his crew cut. Okay. Alex is saying, I fix everything around here. At that point, water slaps across the ceiling and drizzles onto his crew cut head. I couldn't have planned the timing of that splat better. It's as if the demon that threw the water was telling Alex to shut up like I want to. If I weren't so leery at, at siding with the evil, I'd smile at the invisible creature in appreciation. Alex throws a dish towel on his head and says, I could fix it if I had time. If I wasn't working all the, all the time, like little things like murders and, and rape cases. But hey, Savannah, 
has some water in her house, and I'm supposed to stop the world for Casper, who's throwing it. B.S. He slams the dishwasher door shut. Guess I'll take off for work and take care of some of the stuff around here so you don't go off the deep end. That's all I need going around. Taze's wife is in the loony bin. Alex storms off to the weight room in the garage, and I stand staring at the front window, dazed. He doesn't understand that I don't think the spirit is responsible. I know there is. I don't care if the whole community thinks I'm crazy. They aren't the ones this is happening to, and they sure as heck don't live with Alex, who would cause anyone to lose their marbles. I know what I know, and I just can't unknow it. The only way Alex will believe anything is to see it for himself. Maybe if I could prove the commode water is hitting the ceiling, captured on camera, maybe he'd believe me then. I grab the camcorder and video the passing cars to see if it's recording them without malfunctioning. When I play it back, the images show up perfectly, so I recruit Ben to flush the commode. Ben flushes and water shoots on the ceiling, but when we reach the watch the replay, a bright light shines through the window, blinding the image on the screen. Mom, Ben says, stepping back from the dripping water. Why didn't it hit the ceiling yesterday when Dad washed me? I wondered that myself. But at, the, but at the time, I didn't know a spirit was in the house. Maybe the spirit didn't torpedo the commode water for Alex because he isn't open to the possibility of something paranormal being the cause. But if that's the case, why is he able to see the water spraying out all over the house? I set the camcorder for one more try. I don't know, Ben. Let's try one more time. An attempt from a different angle is blacked out like the first time. I tried it like the first time I tried it yesterday. So I release Ben from flushing duty. The spirit is camera shy. I head upstairs and flop on onto my bed and see Manny has texted me back. The spirit. Oh, oh my god, girl, I've got to see this. We'll be in a week from Monday to visit mom and dad. I text back. There's way more than water too. Way too much to text. I can't wait to see you. Mandy says, I know you're busy, and and you have to be stressed to the max. God, I wish I could do something to help you. You are. Just you listening makes me feel better. Alex doesn't believe God actually told me that the spirit's in our house. The more I know, the less I understand, but acknowledging my ignorance puts me miles past Alex. Actually, I think we're running two entirely different marathons. His feet are pounding the ground, and I'm flapping my arms for liftoff. I want to see the unseen and understand the inexplicable while Alex seems to immerse himself in the physical world that no longer seems real to me. I slide my journal into my nightstand as water shoots across the ceiling directly above the middle of the bed. I've had enough of this wet and wild ride for one night. I pack a bag and tell the boys to gather their things for an overnight at Paw Paw Cal's. Downstairs I tell Alex that I'm heading to Dad's. I'm too exhausted to care if he's ticked because I'm leaving him to sop up the water himself. I collect my school bag listening to a barrage of accusations from Alex about how I'm making the situation worse by uprooting the boys on a school night. And how he doesn't know why we are even married since, since we never have sex. Never, I say, slamming my keys on the granite countertop. A few nights ago was never. I'm ready for this confrontation. No more cowering for me. It's time he knows he's, he's not innocent. Then he can get off his high horse. I'm sure Raven won't mind helping you out. Alex's lips seep air like he's blowing out a candle, his eyes peering away from their corners. Who's Raven? Why did you say that? He's scared. Good. I want to scare him. He deserves it. I brace my hands on my hips. 
I don't know who she is, but you obviously do. I saw your text from her the other day, and she enjoyed her eating with you. Called you sexy. I'm telling you, Sav, I don't know a raven. Alice gets up from the sofa and saunters to the kitchen. I think you're the one messing around. Maybe with that Logan guy from church? I saw the way you looked at him. I pry my frozen lips apart, diverting the conversation to me. Is it going to work for you, dear? I saw the text, so you can deny it till the crows come home. But I can't go on like this. The only way we have a chance is if you're honest with me. I'm not going to leave you because you are seeing her. But I will if you... But I will if you lie to me. If you don't tell me the truth, I won't be able to move past it or ever trust you again. I turn my gaze to the backyard where Alex's cruiser is, wondering how often Raymond, Raven's been in his back seat. Isaac walks in, lugging a duffel bag, and Alex says, Hey, bud, your mom and I need to talk about something here. Go on upstairs till she's ready. Isaac sets his bag on the floor, grabs a handful of cookies, and heads upstairs. Look, Sav, Raven is a day report officer. Alex rubs his chest, just like talking about this makes him actually sore. I only met, her, I only met with her once. It was quick and didn't mean anything. Picturing Raven in the barracks and Alex bragging later makes me feel like I'm viewing my life from the top of the Eiffel Tower. Swaying with a dizzying rally, that I'm on the edge and may have no control over falling. I brace my foot on the bottom ledge of the barstool and ask if any of the other officers knew he had the weed monkey bent over the police bunk bed. Picking a weed monkey is as common with men in uniform as picking marijuana plants during harvest season is with the stoners. I've never asked why cops re refer to their lovers as weed monkeys. I guess it's because for drugs, one woman... Yeah, okay. We'll just go over that one. How many of your buddies know, know you did her? Sav, I didn't tell anyone. Like, I want that information getting out. I'm tempted to omit Stacy from, from this conversation. I just don't know how much more truth I can handle in one day. But maybe the scary truth is just what I need to hear in order to decide how I'm going to spend the rest of my life. You seeing anyone else, like, say, Stacy Chutney? I ask. Scraping my foot along the base of the stool. Alex wrinkles his nose and cocks his head. Stacy? Heck, Sav, she's a friend of yours. Why'd you ask that? I don't tell him I'm asking because I know how other women are. I am the other woman. I picture myself standing here with Alex like it's not really me, but someone else. I can pretend for a while until the hurt subsides. Alex is not going to admit anything about Stacy unless I mention I've seen the phone records. And I don't have the gumption to embark on that journey tonight. So, having banked one confession, I yell upstairs for the boys to get in the car. On the way to Dad's, I critique my performance. Not bad for a rookie on the fly. Dang, my allergies. I didn't break down and cry. Didn't show my weakness. I insisted he tell the truth. But I haven't told mine. I want to. I just don't think he would really listen or try to understand if I did. As I turn into Dad's drive, I realize he's probably already locked up for the night. I didn't, didn't even call or tell him we were coming. But there's no need to knock. His security systems, no doubt, already alerted him that, I, that the car has entered his driveway. The porch light snaps on as I pull up to the garage. Dad's at the door with his hand in the pocket of his flannel robe that no doubt bears a revolver. The boys and I pile out and Dad waves us onto the porch. 
What's wrong, baby girl? He asked, his arms extended as far as the door is open. He hugs me. The hand holding the Smith of Weston around his other hand holding the Smith of Weston around my back. Just two went at the house to reunite. I mean re I remained folded in the plush forms of his robe. Sorry I was too aggravated to call first. I say, my head heavy on his chest. Open invitation here, you know that. He pushes his glasses onto the bridge of his nose. Isaac runs past us into the house yelling, What you gotta eat, Papa? You hammerheads are always hungry, Dad says, releasing me. You both must have a hollow leg. Ben says, Ay, what's a thumbs up like Ay, what's a thumbs up like Fonzie from Happy Days? My leg's not yellow, Papa, Isaac says. Ben slaps Isaac on the back of the head, and Isaac punches Ben's arm. Not yellow, hollow, I say, sliding past Dad with my bag. It means empty, like your leg's empty and that's where all the food goes instead of into your belly. I'll wrangle up a surprise, Dad says. Round up in the kitchen, cowboys, he winks at me. You go settle in, baby girl. I take my bag upstairs while Dad does kitchen duty. God, I love it here. I'm not holding my breath, waiting for an upset student to, cons to, to consult or an explosive husband to defuse. All I have to do is be, be alive, not to be a buffer in this pinball game of life. I change into my jammies and wash my face. When I reach the kitchen, popcorn's, popcorn's in a bowl and Dad's layering ham and cheese into sandwiches. I won't tell Dad about Alex's infidelity or about my prayer in the shower that I think is to get the water plague. Excuse me. That's just too personal for me to share with Dad. I don't want him to worry about my marriage, but the topic of spirits will be welcomed here. The boys scramble off to watch Nickelodeon with their feast. I retrieve my bar of dark chocolate from the cabinet while Dad sits and opens his oatmeal cookie. Breaking off a chocolate square, I join Dad at the table. Dad, I've had a revelation. It's going to sound unreal, but bear with me. I was praying at school yesterday, and God told me to, told me we have a spirit in our house. That's where the water's coming from, a demon. He looks up over his glasses that have slid to their usual resting place. I know it sounds bizarre. Dad, all it does is itch. But I absolutely know it's true. I move my legs. I move my legs in cross-legged. Now I just have to figure out how to get rid of it. Dad's nodding his head, not interrupting. I feel like what I'm saying is actually important to him. I pled the blood of Jesus through the whole house yesterday afternoon, and water still sprang. Did you tell Alex, Dad says? Yeah, at dinner. And I'm sure you can imagine his reaction. First he laughed and called it Casper. Then he got mad and said I was crazy. Dad walks to the sink that looks out over the sprawling lawn toward the pond where an oak tree looms that, helped me, that, that he helped me plant when I was in kindergarten. Savvy. I've raised you girls to be open-minded, to question the obvious, and have faith in the truths. If you say there's a spirit in your house, then by golly, there's a spirit there, and it better be saying, and, and it better be saying it's nightly night, nightly night prayers. He jams a rolled-up slice of ham into his mouth and smiles with part of the meat hanging over his chin. I laugh, and that's why all my girlfriends always had a sleepover at my house. You're too darn funny. An hour ago, I wouldn't have believed I would be eating chocolate and laughing right now. And I wouldn't be if I had stayed with Alex tonight. Makes me wonder if I could be this relaxed every night without him. Oh, and the insurance company does have a team of specialists. They're coming to check out the house tomorrow. I say, hugging my knees to my chest. But you know, as well as I do, no physical remedy is going to defeat the spirit, this spiritual enemy. They'll leave shaking their heads like everyone else has. But Alex would be furious if I canceled them. Because of, as Alex says, Casper.
You need a preacher that speaks tongues to roll through there and evict the, evict the old cast, Tad says. I haven't thought about calling Pastor Todd. He doesn't speak in tongues, though. I say, nestling the chocolate back into a tiding spot. But he may have dealt with this type of thing before. Probably hasn't broadcasted if he has, Dad laughs. It's not like there's a subsection in the yellow pages under preacher called Ghost under preacher called Ghostbusters. I'll check with Todd tomorrow, see if he can pray it gone. Because I sure can't. I debate whether to tell Dad about the demon in my mirror and the paranormal experiences the boys are having, but I do. I share it all with Dad. I share it all while Dad sits breathing so shallow I can barely see his chest rise for air. Sav, Dad says. I don't think much about this. I didn't think much about this at the time, but something happened here with water too. He opens the cabinet beneath the sink, slides the dishwashing liquid to the side, and pulls out a bottle of Jack Daniels. Similar. To what's happening at your house, he says, sitting and pouring sitting and pouring the alcohol into a glass with a splash of coke. And you didn't tell me? Was it scary? I say pouring myself one with more coke than the jack. Not scary, just weird. But I really didn't connect it with your situation until now. Last fall I woke up and heard water dripping. I thought it was one of the bathroom faucets, so I checked. But both the sink and the shower faucets were tight and dry. I listened for a minute, didn't hear it, so I went back to bed. As soon as I laid down, I'll be damned if I didn't hear it again. I moved my feet to get out of bed and felt a wet spot. I flipped the light on. Water was dripping from the ceiling, just like it started at your house. My hand covers my mouth. Oh my gosh, Dad, why didn't you tell me before? There was no reason to. It only happened that night. I just thought it was a fluke of nature. Never thought of it being a spirit. I did think it was strange because there was no water pipes in my, my attic. Because there was no water pipes in my attic, and it hadn't rained for days. Next day, I climbed to the attic, and it was dry, so I knew the roof wasn't leaking. Never happened again. Okay, but that was last year. And what would that have to do with my house now? If yours was a spirit, too, what made it leave? Dad shakes his head. Dad shakes his head, the last drop of elixir onto his tongue. Honey, I could write a book about what I don't know. I believe I will write about this when it's over, even if I can't explain everything that's going on. Dad, have you read a lot about the supernatural? I saw the book in your study by Casey. Yep, it's called The Power of Your Mind. It talks about the metaphysical realm and the God consciousness within all of us. So if God's within me, why didn't my prayers make the spirit leave? Dad shrugs. While Dad rattles on about how he could complete the blood of my house, I sit wondering why it didn't work for me. Maybe I had no true authority over it because I'm sitting and cheating on Alex. In the past, I've asked forgiveness from God for adultery, but I haven't asked for forgiveness for Ryan and Kent because I figure God's got my number and is tired of hearing me make promises he knows I'm not going to keep. I tune back into Dad who's saying, Casey believes our minds work with God's to create solutions to our problems, and I do believe he will find the solution to yours. I finish off my nightcap as Alex strolls in with an empty plate. Tell your brother bedtime. He swivels and scurries out before I insist they go immediately. He knows he can squeeze another 10 minutes out of me. I turn to Dad. So what's metaphysical mean exactly? Basically, any concept that mainstream science community doesn't deems not observable or measurable. That would seem to be the sort of science that would explain my out-of-body experience when I saw the demon in the mirror. Like the study of an alternate reality, I say. One that one that we don't necessarily see with human eyes, but could see if the conditions were right. Exactly, Dad says, taking a plate from Ben, who lumbers in. 
Why can't you see with your eyes, Mom? Oh, what can't you see with your eyes, Mom? Ben asked. I haven't told the boys about the spirit in the house, but Alex was right. I will tell them, just not tonight. I can't see where the water is coming from, I say. Hug Papa night and hit the hay, you old horse. You got some learning to do tomorrow. School, yeehaw. I hug, I hug Dad. Thanks for listening, Dad. I'm beat. Snuggled under my pink holly hobby quilt, I remember laying here as a girl. Words whirling through my head, dreaming of writing a novel. Not about my certain subject, just for pos- posterity. For the whole notion of leaving a legacy when I'm dead. Now, my life is actually writing the book for me. And I'm the main character. How cool is that? Okay, that's it. Right, chapter 13. So that's cool. Let me get over here. Oh, sorry about... Hi, Karen. Good to see you. Hi, Jerry. Sorry about doing a wipe here, but I don't know. My allergies are just doing weird stuff like that today. Anyway, we'll be continuing this next Sunday. Or, as you guys know, if, if we have a guest that has an emergency and can't show, then I will read, you know, to replace the guest. But uh, we'll continue it. We're at chapter 13, so uh, that'll be the next Sunday run. I'm glad you guys came to spend this evening with me. Uh, I know you guys got to get ready for work, and I hope you were able to relax listening to me read. Uh, yeah, so tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, I'll be uh, we'll be back, and we're going to be talking with Maria Cusia, C-U-C-C-I-A, so hopefully I got it right, about her alien encounter. She has she, and she has an abduction story to tell. So I hope you, you know, I hope you're there for that. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're Equal Opportunity at California Haunts Radio. And we're just trying to get the word out about the show. You can find California Haunts and California Haunts Radio over on Facebook. You can find us over on YouTube. And you can also find us on TikTok under California Haunts. And you can find us on, on Twitter under Cal Haunts and at Twitch under Cal Haunts. So there's multiple ways to find us. And please, if you haven't done so already and you're watching from Facebook, please hit that share, please hit the share button and please hit that follow button because we're always looking for followers. I see I see some of you gave me some thumbs up and stuff. That's great. Um, the more the merrier because what that does is there's an algorithm that Facebook and, all, and everybody follows. And the more likes you get, the better chances you have of being seen from uh, people outside of your inner circle. So uh, it really helps out. I'm seeing a big difference on YouTube right now for people to subscribe. And if you're over on YouTube and you haven't subscribed yet and you like what you see in here, please be sure to do that. I've also got all those videos that are in uh, folders that you can check out. I think there's a subject that you'll like somewhere in there. So do check that out. And on the community page in YouTube, we're doing the paranormal question of the day. So if you think you know about the paranormal, come on over there and uh, try and answer the question that I propose. Okay, and then I'll give you guys the correct answer later on as well. Anyway, thank you all for coming tonight. I really appreciate it. And I will see you all tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific for Alien Abduction Story. So here we go. See you later, guys.